Hi and welcome. My name is Sebastian Richard. Welcome to Thriving on Purpose Ministries, the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. And tonight, as promised last week, we continue our series on as the day as in the days of Noah, where we basically look through what the days of Noah were like and we compare them to the days we are living in today. Because Jesus said when he was asked about uh, by his disciples, when he was asked about uh, the end of the age, he said that it would be before his return, it would be as in the days of Noah. So in order to understand what we're going through today and what to look for, it's a good idea, I think, that we understand the days of Noah better. So we're looking at both. We're looking at the past and we're looking at the present and even at the future. So uh, by the way, if you like these types of videos, if you like the videos we make here at Thriving on Purpose Broadcast and Ministries, uh, make sure that you subscribe to our channel uh, and like videos, like the videos that we put out. And uh, by subscribing, you're going to be notified. So hit the notification bell. If you want to be notified every Wednesday night, uh, we come on for a, a teaching. And at Thriving on Purpose, we focus on building up the kingdom of God and tearing down strongholds. So we have a dual mission. And uh, to build up the the, uh, the kingdom of God, we proceed uh, through uh, teachings on leadership, teachings on personal growth, and teachings on faith and about the kingdom of God. And to tear down strongholds, well, lo and behold, we give content that's a little bit more like what we're doing tonight, where we dismantle, uh, uh, where we uh, confront uh, uh things in our society where we uh, dismantle certain uh, untruths that are uh, plaguing the body of Christ and so on and so forth. So tonight we're going to be uh, talking about stuff that uh, could possibly uh, bring about censorship from YouTube. So I have to be careful about what I talk about, what I mention, and uh, I'll see what I'll do with these videos. Later I might uh, re-record them and sell them uh, for a low price. Uh, you, you might be able to uh, download them, uh, the, the uncensored versions on our website. I am not sure at this point if I should do that. You just put it down in the comments if you'd like me to do that. So uh, as I promised, as in the days of Noah, we're doing part two tonight. So we're talking about the end of the age and hybridization. Uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, what... <laughs> I, I can't really say this word, but... Uh, the Great Reboot. Let's just call it like that. The Great Reboot. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. Um, the flood, when it happened, when God brought, around, brought about the flood in the days of Noah, it was a great reboot. And there's much, much knowledge that was lost to humanity when the flood happened. Uh, humanity had to rebuild. Uh, there was only one family on the ark. It, it was a long process. So, yes, it was a great reboot. So, I mentioned in the first episode that before the flood, in the days of Noah, people are, were not as primitive as we were taught either by Hollywood or in our Sunday schools, you know, when they show us Noah uh, with very um, limited means, you know, carrying a stick and uh, everything was very manual, low technology and all that. We, we, we looked at what the fallen angels, that was in the first episode, we looked at what the fallen angels gave mankind as far as knowledge and technology was concerned. 
And uh, when Jesus says that things are going to be a lot like that at the end of the age, it's very interesting because I'm looking at today's tech technology and advancements, and I'm like, a lot of that stuff that we're dealing with today was dealt with back then. So our perception, our image that, that we have of the days of Noah is, in my opinion, very erroneous. So we need to kind of start thinking differently. So they weren't like, you know, I wouldn't say cavemen, but they, they weren't as uh, uh, backwards or, or as uh, low tech uh, as we think. They weren't just doing sticks and stones back then. There was a lot more. I believe there might have been, been even uh, anti-gravity technology. Uh, I mean, when you consider the, the pyramids, uh, Tiwanaku and the pyramids of Egypt, and I mean, these the size of these stones, how were they able to move those stones? And uh, So there's a lot of stuff there that we don't have answers to. But I know that back in the days of Noah, there was, uh, we've read it in the book of Jasher, we read it in the book of Noah, there were abortions, there was genetic manipulation. Uh, and as we're going to see today, there was hybridization as well so um so we were talking about the great reboot i'm calling it the great reboot you know why uh so those who listen to this podcast regularly uh, they they have heard me mention a few times how god doesn't do anything unless he speaks first through his prophets and that I didn't invent that. That's in the word of God. It's in Amos chapter three, verse seven, where he says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So when God wants to do a thing in the earth realm, since he gave man dominion, remember in Genesis chapter one, verses 26 to 28, he gives man, the, the Adam, Adam, man, he gives him dominion to rule over this, this place called the earth realm. So by doing so, God never breaks his own word. So when he gave man dominion, he said, let us give them dominion over all of the, the, that, that entails in this realm. God doesn't break his word. So ever since then, he's been using prophets so that they utter the word of God the word of God. So he speaks to them. They say the word of what he's about to do. And then God does it because he has, he is basically legal. He's doing the thing legally. If God were to do anything, whenever he wants all the time without using his prophets or without going through a certain way, he wouldn't be doing things legally. And God is the ultimate legalist. And I know this is going to displease some people, but he, he doesn't break his own word. Okay, because then he would be in a we would be in a heap of trouble if he did. <laughs> so everything he does is done by law. It is done legally. He's the perfect. Uh, he's perfect. He does everything through justice, and he never breaks his own word. Um, but enough with that. So the point I'm getting at is: here's the thing. We're talking about the great reboot. Okay, so I'm just I'm not going in too many directions here. I hope I'm not. I hope I didn't lose you. So we're talking about the great reboot. The same law applies to the evildoers, to, 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 uh, to the devil. So if the devil wants to get something done in the earth realm, if God is bound, 
because man has dominion, the devil also has to go through man to get the thing done or to get the thing spoken by his prophets because the devil has dark prophets. The devil has those who work for him. So whatever God has, the devil perverts or imitates. So there's prophets, uh, there's evil prophets who do the work of Satan. So that same law of having to say the thing before he does it applies to him. And I did a video on that, uh, a broadcast on that. Man, I'm trying to remember what it was, the name. It was, I think that was in the title False Prophet or False Prophets. And I was talking about the media that acts as his mouthpiece. In the media, newspapers, uh, obviously uh, CNN and a whole bunch of other news uh, channels and um, Hollywood, Hollywood, especially science fiction movies. I've noticed a lot of that stuff is told beforehand. So they kind of show us, they kind of tell us in advance what they're going to do. So it's always been a pattern. And I've seen that for decades now. They tell you what they're going to do before they do it, but they use means at their disposal that, that kind of go under, that kind of fly under the radar. So people uh, don't really notice them because they're under the, uh, the cover of new, the news. I'm watching the news or on the, co the cover of uh, it's entertainment. I'm watching the Simpsons. Ever heard of the Simpson prophecies? You want to see something interesting? YouTube the Simpson prophecies, and it's pretty astounding the the number of shots that they actually called using a cart uh, cartoons uh, using the Simpsons. So these things are told to us in advance what they are planning to do to us, what they're planning to do to advance their agenda, and. They, because they are bound by a law that God put in place. And if God is, is uh, respectful, respectful of his, this law, you can bet the devil has to be respectful of it. But he hates it, and he's kind of found ways to circumvent the liability that it gives him and his team. So like I said, the, the, the way he's circumventing it is he's been using the media in all sorts of twisted ways to basically tell us in advance what they're going to do. For example, if, if you listen to the media, they, they tell you when there's a new wave, right? Uh, they, they tell, oh, oh, scientists have been kind of spotting that there's a, a, a third one or a fourth one. And then, and then you're like, okay. And then sure enough, a couple weeks later, a month later, two months later, we're in full-blown fourth one or whatever you know you know what i'm saying so that's the way they do it so they the wicked ones they kind of telegraph their intentions prior to to doing the work they have to and it's funny because in in recent months and i don't know if you've noticed that but i've noticed it uh, you know any deliverance minister will tell you this those who are who have experience and i've listened to many of them they all tell you the same thing the bigger the manifestation in a person, the more the panic of the demon. In other words, when, when a person is uh, undergoing deliverance in a, in a session, a deliverance session, the more there's stuff happening, the more that the voices and the transformations of the face or the snake things going on the floor, like, you know, contorting. And the more of that you see, the more uh, the, 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 the demons 
uh, are um, desperate. They're acting out of desperation. And it's kind of the same thing on a grand scale that we've been seeing from uh, the New World Order recently. We've been seeing a lot of those manifestations, but, but these manifestations are uh, uh, showing up more like they have become sloppy because I've been following this for decades, maybe a couple of decades now. They have become sloppy in the sense that uh, in the past, it, they would be very, very careful in how they orchestrate their agendas so that it is so subtle that people can't catch it unless they really dig and do research. But now it's like just overt out there, mistake after mistake, uh, contradiction after contradiction. I mean, they've become sloppy. And because of that, that, that to me is like, basically they're, they're in, they're desperate. They're panicking. Uh, Satan knows his time is short and it's kind of all over the place now that, that people are starting to spot it. People who otherwise would probably not have become aware or awake of what is going on are now becoming awake. They're now kind of going like, wait a minute, this is weird. This doesn't make any sense. And, and as a result, they're starting to do their own research and they're waking up. Some of them are coming to Christ. And we're also seeing on this at the same time as all this stuff is happening in, in the, the camp of the New World Order, in the camp of the elect. See, it's always, it's always those two, the elites, those who, the so-called elites, those who call themselves the elite, versus the elect, the elect of God. So there's the elite, okay? Those that Satan basically referred to when he brought Christ on the mountain and he showed him the kingdoms of this world. And he said, this stuff has been handed down to me and I give it to whomever I choose. Well, the whomever he chooses, those are the elites, okay? So there's the elites on the one hand, and there's the elect on the other. And these two have been clashing. I mean, if you read the Bible, it's basically a clash of these two camps from beginning to end. So speaking of the end, let's talk a little bit about the end of the age. In Matthew chapter 24, by the way, if you, have, if you haven't read Matthew chapter 24 in a while, I really highly recommend that you go read it these days because there's nothing more actual than Matthew 24, okay? I mean, if you haven't read it in a while, go, go and reread it. You're just going to love it. I'm just going to check if there's anybody on. Just want to. Yeah, okay. Just, uh, <laughs> just want to say hi. Born again, Elijah. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, so if you haven't read Matthew 24, go, you got to go because this, this is the best stuff. I mean, in verse three, right from the get-go, when it opens up, the disciples asked Jesus about the signs of the end of the age. In the Greek, the word age is eon, A-E-O-N, eon, the end of the eon, which means the end of the age. So the verse three reads like this in the NIV, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately because right before he had told them about the temple that none of these stones would stay on top of another. Everything would come crashing down. So he kind of prophesied, uh, prophesied the, the temple's destruction. So they come to him privately. They said, tell us, they said, when will this happen? The destruction of the temple. 
And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So it's a twofold question. They're basically asking him, what's going to, when the temple comes crashing down, what's that going to be like? When's that going to happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So it's a twofold question. And Jesus Christ in Matthew 24 actually answers on twofold. Uh, when you read the beginning, he's, he's pretty much talking to them about the persecution that they're going to face as disciples in those days. But then it starts shifting. It starts shifting. And then he shifts to the signs of his coming, the second coming and the end of the age. So the end of the eon, the end of the age. And we're coming close. If you read Matthew 24, we're definitely coming close because we're seeing so many of those signs coming to pass. So you can find the, this narrative in Matthew 24, which is the longest passage in the Gospels, but also a shorter version in Luke 21 and even in Mark 13. I think it's Mark 13, if I'm not mistaken. So, so we're coming close to the end of this age. Which is interesting that the word the word they chose age, which makes we makes us believe that there might have been previous ages before. So in, in this age that we're in right now, when God created Adam and Eve in Genesis one twenty eight, He said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply." And here here's the word that that really catches my attention: and replenish the earth replenish the earth. So the word plenish means it's full, plenty, plenish. He tells them to replenish it, make it full again or fill it again. Now, some of you might say, well, come on. In other versions, it's translated as fill the earth. And I get that. That's, you know, it's exegesis, right? It's, it's interpretation. And yet, it's very interesting when we consider the story of the flood after the whole world was wiped clean after the flood. In Genesis 9-1, God told Noah the same thing. It says in Genesis 9-1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And when the flood happened, there was definitely, it was definitely a case of replenishing it. So we can surmise that possibly uh, the, the story that we're given in the Bible is a story of this eon, this age, and that perhaps there might have been other ages prior to this one. Uh, I, I don't subscribe, I, I don't, and I might disappoint some people here. I don't really subscribe to the idea that the earth is 6,000 years old. I think the earth might be older than that, uh, quite older maybe. So how old? I don't know. Uh, I don't have a, a number in mind, but but I don't think that it's like a 6,000 thing. Uh, the Adam, the generations of Adam, yes, about 6,000 years. But the earth itself, no, nah, not quite. I don't think so. But uh, so like I mentioned earlier, we, don't, we still don't understand how the pyramids of Egypt were built or who built to you on Akko, or the mystery of Atlantis. That's another one that uh, puzzles some, some scholars also. There, there is uh, all kinds of theories about Atlantis. It, it's worth uh, researching if you're interested in that, but uh, there might've been, uh, it might've been either a prior age. It might've been a civilization, a pre-Noahic, Noahic, Noahic 
<laughs> civilization or not, but uh, it's interesting. So, uh, so let's talk about the book of Enoch. We like in the previous episode, I mentioned the book of Enoch, but in the book of Enoch, we read something very, very valuable for us today as believers living today. The book opens up in chapter one, and the first three verses are very interesting for you and I. So Enoch chapter one, verses one through three, I'm going to read it for you. It says, the words of the blessing of Enoch, wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous who will be living in the day of tribulation when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. I'm going to stop here because for someone uh, who might be reading this, they might think, well, okay, Enoch was before Noah. So he probably wrote this for the, the uh, pre-Diluvian era, for the pre-Diluvian uh, civilization, those who were about to get wiped out by the flood. And that's a good point. But let's continue reading here. And he took up his parable and said, Enoch, a righteous man whose eyes were opened by God, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens, which the angels showed me. And from them I heard everything, and from them I understood as I saw. But not for this generation, but for a remote one which is for to come. So remote means pretty far away. Concerning the elect, I said, and took up my parable concerning them. Now, I believe personally that the book of Enoch was a twofold revelation that was to be used to, to useful for sure for those people living in that day, but possibly for us as a warning of things to come, as a warning of what we were to take heed, pay attention to. Because the things that happened then, remember the days of Noah, the things that happened then are happening today. And it's in verse nine, if you go back, if you go in the same chapter, chapter one, verse nine of chapter one, we read the part of Enoch, which is quoted in the book of Jude. Now, some of you don't even know that. Some of you, some of you might have forgotten that, or or, or you just not not uh, you're not making a connection. But Jude quotes from the book of Enoch, and it's from verse uh, chapter one, verse nine. So the half-brother of our Lord, Jude, uh, uh, quoted from that verse, and verse 9 of chapter 1 of Enoch says this, and you can read the same thing in Jude, And behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, and to destroy all the ungodly, and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness, which they have ungodly committed. That's a lot of ungodliness going on there. <laughs> I think there's three times it's mentioned ungodly. And of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Jude, when he takes that verse, he's saying, this is, this is talking about the end of the age. So this is going to happen at the end of the age. So he's quoting from Enoch chapter one, and he's kind of confirming that it's going to be at the end of the age. And I mentioned in the, the first episode how 
so much hybridization was going on. And we're going to look at that tonight. Uh, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about hybridization? Well, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, we're told that God has a definite path for every flesh, all flesh that he created. So Genesis 1, 24, 25, we read this. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So the order that God established when he created the earth and all the living creatures on it was kind after kind, which is to say uh, to, that they, they were to keep in their genetic lineage the purity that was intended. So a fly was not to cross with a bee and become some kind of hybrid. It was to stick with the, the, the same species of fly and perpetuate, perpetuate, perpetuate. And that was for all, it was a law in God's creation, the law of kind after kind. It was all for God's original plan and creation. So God is very much against all types of hybridization. And I, I, I think I mentioned Maybe not in the first episode, but anyway, I'm going to tell. I'm going to. I'm going to go into it today. He's even against the missing, the mixing of seed, whether it be plants or animals, humans or even linen. Check it out. Uh, in Leviticus 19, chapter 19, verse 19, we read this. That's in the KJV. Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. So he was even telling uh, the Israelites, don't even wear garments that are made of two different uh, cloths or, or two different uh, uh, types of garment. And he said, given it's saying linen and wool. Don't even mix that. Let's just be either 100% wool, 100% linen. So God was very, very clear that everything was to be done in a certain way. And even his, the fields were supposed to be planted in a certain way. So, so there was to be separation where you plant the corn and separation when you plant the tomatoes and separation when you plant the carrots and all that. And uh, in the, the more modern, I read from the KJV, in the more modern NIV, we read, keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. So, so God was basically establishing uh, or reestablishing or restating that this is kind after kind. That's how I like it. I, I have done some some wonderful uh, variety in my creation, but I also like this variety to to, to be uh, somewhat segregated. So so there's a there's a separation that that needs to be maintained that is in the natural order that God wants mankind to maintain. Now we know that with all the hybridization going on today, this this 
uh, order, this natural order that God wants us to keep, to be the keepers of. Adam is was to be uh, Adam was to be the keeper of the garden, this area, this this area. Either you identify the garden as the place in Eden or as the bigger realm known as the earth. Adam was to be the keeper and to obey God's natural laws. Let's talk a little bit about dogs. Uh, I have a dog. I have a, a miniature poodle. Uh, Teddy, we call him, and he's a wonderful pet, and I love him so much. He's, he's a great dog. But the Bible isn't very kind towards dogs. I don't know if you guys noticed. Whenever a dog is mentioned in the Bible, it's never in a good light. Okay? So do you know why dogs have such a bad reputation in the Bible? It's because they are basically... Uh, among the first hybrids, they, they, they are, see, man, when he domesticated the wild wolf or, or he, he started breeding it down, breeding it down, kind of breaking the genes, the gene pool by, by uh, making it more tame and bringing, like taking certain uh, specimens from the litter and, and, and breeding them and, and make, you know, causing segregation. Okay, I'm going to take this smaller version here and breed it with this smaller version. Oh, a more aggressive one here. We're going to breed it. So there's all these different types of dogs that we have today. So many breeds of dog. I've, I've, I've studied these dog breeds because when we were in the process of buying a dog, I wanted to buy something that would be befitting of, of our type of you know, habits and family life and all that. So obviously I needed something that was going to fit in our lifestyle. So you know, you don't buy a, uh, I don't know, a, Tib a T Tibetan Mastiff if uh, you don't have time to give him exercise or if you don't have the room. If you live in a, 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 a one-room apartment, you don't want that kind of dog. So you gotta, you got to look at what your lifestyle is like and you got to choose a dog that fits your lifestyle. But the point is that technically dogs were wolves that have been hybridized by man through the breeding process. And, and we ended up with what we call today dogs. But God uh, tolerated this because see, God, God is, is so kind, forgiving, and loving. He tolerated that man did that to have pets and guardians of flocks and uh, working dogs and all that. Uh, but it's funny because when you read his word, although dogs are tolerated and they were used even back in biblical times for all kinds of stuff, and they weren't a beloved animal, okay? They weren't seen in a good light. So he's not a fan of dogs. God is not a fan of dogs. Now, do all dogs go to heaven? You remember that cartoon that says that all dogs go to heaven? Do they all go to heaven? Like I said, God is gracious. God is forgiving. God loves us. And uh, I, I don't think that, that I think many of us are going to find our pets someday in heaven. But that don't don't quote me on that. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, I just know I, I love Teddy, and I can I, I kind of have a, a warm fuzzy feeling if I imagine myself in heaven someday holding him. All right. So enough enough of dogs. But I just wanted to bring that out there because I am trying to make a point that hybridization God is not God is against of that. It's not of Him. It's not of him. So if it's not of him, who is it of? So it's the corruption of his creation. It's the, the, the changing, the tweaking of what he did, what he established. So we know who it comes from, right? But uh, today, hybrid, hybridization, it's part of our vernacular. We hear it all the time. Huh? We have hybrid cars and hybrid fruits and vegetables, although we don't, we don't call them that. 
we don't call them hybrid fruits and vegetables. When you go do your grocery shopping, that doesn't say buy this hybrid tomato and buy this these hybrid carrots. But however, we have now organic tomatoes and organic carrots, which is to say these aren't hybrids or are they? I mean, like it, today, everything is so hybridized. So what do they consider not hybrid today? That's debatable. But the point is they had to make a, uh, a distinction now between what has been tampered with and what hasn't, because some people just don't want to buy GMOs and all that and uh, are against Monsanto monstrosities and, and they don't want that. And uh, uh, you'll notice they sell them for more. So you're going to pay more if you want the, uh, the organic kind, right? Uh, so we have hybrid scientific experiments. We have uh, uh, Toyota Prius and, and hybrid cars and all that. So we're surrounded by hybridized stuff, okay? And it's the, the word, it's become a, a buzzword or a, a word we're very familiar with. And I think it's on purpose that they've done that. They, they've used that word in the last, like if you look at the last decade, the word has been thrown out there so much that we're desensitized to hearing the word hybrid now it's now it's it's okay it's part of everyday life it doesn't cause a stir we're desensitized to the word so now whenever uh they do their hybridization it doesn't bother us as much as it used to i don't know if you've noticed that but i i have so the government for decades now has had all kinds of uh black projects of hybridization and cloning. Uh, so uh, the, in the days of Noah, we, we read last week how there was all this hybridization. It says in the Bible that all flesh has corrupted its way. All flesh. So before God sent the flood, he commented, he said, all flesh has corrupted its way. Well, guess what? Here we are in 2021. And we look at our fruits, we look at our vegetables, we look at our genes affected by all kinds of stuff that we put in our bodies. Uh, we look at our animals, the injections for, for all kinds of purposes that are going into our animals for growth, for more milk production, for more egg production, uh, hormones in chickens. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But I think that we are there now. All flesh has corrupted its way. And now, we find ourselves with uh, hybrid shots or shots that can potentially change us, potentially uh, inject foreign bodies into us under the, the, the uh, under they've used the excuse of, you know what, the, the, the plan-demic. They, they've basically used that as an excuse. And now they're like bringing out this, uh, basically what they did is they, cre they created the problem. We've been crying because we had a problem. Oh, government, mommy, daddy, government, daddy, government, please help us. Look, we have a big problem because they kept telling us on the news that we had a big problem. So now they implemented the solution, which was what they wanted to do from the get-go. They just needed an excuse to do it. So now they present to us the JAB that they tell us to take that has all kinds of stuff in it that 
is let's just put it lightly not good for you okay so the the elites remember how i said the elites and the elect two very different camps well the elites the luciferian elites are basically adulterating god's original creation so i talked about all the hybridization going on including in us they want to adulterate the creation of God. You see, the word adulterate is where we get the word adultery from. To commit adultery is used in the general uh, term that we, we know it and, and use it for is when you you uh, you cheat on your spouse and, and you go, you sleep with someone else or your spouse sleeps with someone else, they commit adultery. So they mix with someone that they're not supposed to mix with. Okay, and, and we're, I'm using the term mixing lightly here, but you know how it has to do with the seeds and all that, you know. So they mix with someone they're not supposed to mix with because they commit they were in a committed marital relationship. So adulterate is where we get that word. So according to the dictionary, the word adulterate means to corrupt, debase, or make impure by the addition of a foreign or inferior substance or element. I, I will reread that for you because this is a good this is good stuff. To corrupt, debase, or make impure by the addition of a foreign or inferior substance or element. So all of God's creation today, just as in the days of Noah, is finding itself in a situation where it is being adulterated. It is being hybridized. It is being corrupted. This is what hybridization does to God's creation. So in the days of Noah, when the fallen angels mixed their seed with the women, it adulterated, adulterated, corrupted human being DNA, human beings, and made them into abominable beings uh, called giants in the Bible. Those are the Nephilim. And the book of Enoch tells us that those Nephilim, those hybrids, check this out. This is crazy. Those hybrids went, was why God says, there's, a, I, I mentioned it last week. I forget the, the passage, the exact passage, but he says, I'm going to destroy, destroy the earth because of them. And I believe that the them in that particular verse is referring to those Nephilim, those hybrids, those corrupted beings that were the progeny of fallen angels and women. Now, interestingly enough, when you read the book of Enoch, you learn that these beings called the Nephilim, when the flood happened and killed them all, their spirits became evil spirits or what? impure spirits. And I mentioned earlier how hybridization makes you what? Impure. It, they became impure spirits upon the earth. That's what the book of Enoch tells us. In other words, they became what we call today in Christendom, demons. Demons. And you'll notice that in the earth realm, in order to be legal, in order to have a right to exist in this earth realm, well, there's many factors that come into play. I spoke of how you need to be uh, like Noah, 
uh, perfect in your generations. In other words, unadulterated physically. That's one thing that God really uh, keeps that as a at a high standard to, to that uh, that animals and and plants and and food and human beings be unadulterated, that they be the way his original creation was intended to be. That's one thing. But also, you need a physical body. This is a physical realm. The earth is a physical realm. So when God created the earth and he gave it to man, and he put man to have dominion on the earth, it was to be a physical realm. It was something that delighted him. But it became corrupted through sin, the fall, and all that stuff. And these spirits of the Nephilim that are now demons are impure spirits. And what does a demon constantly seek? A demon constantly seeks to enter a human host. Why? Because temporarily they seek asylum because while they are in the dry places while they are not inhabiting a human body first of all it exhausts them they find it hard to be in dry places there's something about and i don't know the full extent of the science and the the spirituality of this but there's something about the humidity of a human body remember a human body is made of 70 percent water so a lot of spirits are water spirits there's all that stuff uh, but inhabiting a human body gives them relief. That's one thing. But it also gives them a sense of belonging or a sense of legality. Oh, I'm I'm in a body. And this host, this person, either committed a sin or either uh, gave a legal right of entry through words they uttered. So I had legal right to come in. And now I'm quote unquote safe. You're safe until you're, uh, the person becomes born again or seeks deliverance. But the point is, that's what demons are. And, and I went on a tangent here like a rabbit trail, but I think that's stuff that it's really inter interesting anyway. So uh, where was I? Okay. So in the days of Noah, when it finally, okay. Uh, so this this hybridization that was going on in Noah's day that that created the Nephilim, so the fallen angels came in and had relations with the women and gave birth to giants and Nephilim and all that. It's still there's still all kinds of stuff going on behind our backs or without us knowing. See the the governments of the world they have uh, what is called deep underground military bases, and I'm going to talk about that in the next episode in more detail, but. And these uh, black projects, they do all kinds of experimentations concerning genetics. Uh, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on there. That it, and it's all about hybridization. It's all about the mixing of, I don't know, a kangaroo and a, and a human being. And it's like all kinds of abominations and cloning and all that. And I mentioned in the last episode, I think I mentioned it, that uh, they were uh, creating super soldiers. They were making like perfected physical uh, human beings, human bodies that were that could be possessed by uh, evil entities or these Nephilim, these spirits of the Nephilim. And these super soldiers, 10 years ago, when I was listening to a whistleblower, he was saying they were already on the fifth generation of super soldiers. 
And the physical feats that these uh, beings could do were absolutely astounding, like uh, flip over a tank. Uh, two of them could flip over a tank and stuff like that. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. But today, we see there's many signs that we are as in the days of Noah. So we too, unfortunately, above ground, those of us who are not in dumps, have become government experiments. We too have become, unfortunately, to some degree or not, by consuming all this crap, these GMOs and stuff, and uh, uh, pineal gland altering fluoride or uh, the pharmacia, what is called pharmacia in the Bible that comes, uh, that is the word sorcery. So the Greek word pharmacia is trans translated sorcery and so on and so forth. So we too uh, are at risk of being, uh, becoming our, our flesh, becoming corrupt. But now with this uh, COVID and the uh, antidote that they've pr they promised us, putting that in your body, injecting that in your body. I've looked at some videos. If you guys want to know what's in that, what is in, in this uh, JAB, if you want to know what's in that, go on Rumble. Don't go on, on, on YouTube. I mean, there's everything is censored there. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. But go on Rumble and look at the ingredients found in the JAB. Just type it up in Rumble, rumble.com. And you, you'll ha you're going to have some videos that are going to, like, they're going to open your eyes. You're going to be like, whoa, that's in there? Really? That's crazy. Well, yeah. And, and concerning GMOs, remember, you are what you eat. Huh? It's, it's a scientific principle. So what we consume can potentially alter our genetics, whether we consume it with our mouths or through our skin, because there's stuff that we put on our skin that penetrates through the pores and can become part of us as well. So here's the kicker. Where am I going with all this? Well, Jesus, when he came, okay, he was what? He was the son of man. He was, he was very uh, adamant about calling himself the son of man. Why? Because he came to save man. He came to save mankind, kind after kind, mankind. He is the son of man. He's not the son of hybrids. He's not the son of chimeras. He's the son of man. God is gracious, okay? And here's the thing, and I don't want to alarm any of you. Oh, I've been using GMOs in my tomatoes. Don't, don't freak out here. God is gracious. He's going to overlook a lot of the stuff that we've been deceived into consuming. There's a lot of stuff that we have been deceived into consuming. And God is gracious, and it's going to be okay. However, Revelation is very clear. Revelation is very clear. So all the like I, I, GMO tomatoes and all that, that corn or whatever, he's going to overlook that. But when it comes to the mark of the beast, we are told in Revelation that those who take that, there's no going back. It's over. It's game over. So we're warned. As, as believers, we are warned in Revelation chapter 13. You know, in the on television... They always tell us, trust the science. Trust the science. They say that all the time, right? Trust the science. Why, why do they want us to trust the science? Because they want us to trust their science, right? <laughs> they want us to go along. They want us to go along with their stuff. 
listen to the doctors, they tell us. Of course, they want us to just listen to the FDA-approved doctors, not the doctors who came out and, and, and started becoming whistleblowers and warning the people not to do this thing. Oh, no, no, don't trust those. Not those doctors. Yeah, but they went to the same university. They got the same degree. No, 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 they're not good anymore. They're, 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 they're messed up now. Don't listen to them. Just listen to our FDA-approved doctors. So you see where this is going. So do you remember... So I'm, ta I'm talking about the trust of science part here. Do you remember in Thor, the Thor movie, the first Thor movie? Maybe some of you saw it. Maybe some of you are staying the heck away from Hollywood. That's great. I, I, I love that. But back then when it came out, I saw the, the movie and there was a line in the movie that I really went like, whoa, that's profound. Thor said, I think he was talking to a mathematician he said, your ancestors called it magic, but you today call it science. I come from a land where they are one and the same. So Thor said that. He's talking about Asgard, the realm he comes from. So he's basically talking about a mix of magic and science. Now, is that, is that actually possible? It's more than possible. We're under it now. However, they're pushing on the news. They're just talking science all the time, but they're doing magic. So they're talking science all the time, but they're doing magic. They're doing witchcraft. Science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke said this. He said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Unfortunately, we live in a world where the, the dark arts, the arcane arts and science, they work hand in hand right now. This is how bad it's got in this world. Okay. I once, uh, I think it's my, in my latest book, Kingdom Fundamentals, I talk a little bit about magic with, uh, G-I-C-K, magic, uh, I-C-K. Uh, in other words, not the stage magic that's just entertained, but the real magic, that is the dark arts, the, the occultic stuff. And I basically say that magic is a way to obtain power apart from God. So that's that's a, a definition I kind of give it. I think I gave it a little bit more. There was more said in that sentence, but it, it, it's it's the way that men pursue power apart from God or or um, independence, powerful independence apart from God. So some of our most esteemed scientists and politicians today, they embrace and practice things that just 50 years ago would have been straight out called black magic. And it's just mainstream today. So some of our uh, politicians and, and scientists and celebrities, those people that, that we call the best of the best of our society, I don't call them that, but they're called that, they practice stuff that 50, 75 years ago would have straight up been called, that's black magic. <laughs> but today, oh, it's science or, 
oh, it's, it's, uh, oh, they're high spirituality or whatever else they're going to call it. So in the governments, they are, uh, they have these black projects and these projects are covertly funded through taxpayer money. And these projects are a blend of science, lab stuff, and the arcane arts where, like I mentioned earlier, they, they, they can do um, hybrids or chimeras and summon an entity to inhabit that chimera to then do their will. Like we're talking some advanced stuff here. Uh, and, I, and I'm not, uh, I don't want you to believe me because I don't have the proof right now because if I, if I put forth the proof, recordings or videos, or it, it would be censored. So what I want you to do is that I don't want you to believe me. I want you to do your own research, but you have to be very thorough. And it's, it's much harder. See, when I did this, this research, when I found these answers, we're going back 15 years ago. It was so easy. It wasn't censored back then. So anything I entered anywhere online, da, 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 I just found a ton of information about it. And it was very easy to gather. But now it's always the disinformation uh, sites that pop up first. Always that. Boom, 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 boom. The counter stuff, the counter stuff that, that, that they're trying to use to counter uh, any beliefs that don't go, that don't follow the narrative. So that's the, the first few pages you're going to find, right? First many pages that you're going to find. It's all that. So yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't try to go to, like when I do a Google, Google search, I don't try to go to page 75. Do you? I mean, I don't do that. Um, but if, if you're willing to do it today, it's going to require a lot more work to uh, figure this stuff out. My goodness, I'm already at 54 minutes. Hey, Marty, hey, Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for being here. Nice to have you guys. So let's talk a little bit, a bit about Big Pharma. So the book of Revelation, chapter 18, speaks of the destruction of mystery Babylon the Great. Okay. And we read in verse 23, And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. Remember when I, I said the elite? Thy merchants. Now, I was thinking about that passage. I was like, my goodness, could this be big tech? Or a conglomerate of all these big corporations. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Now, the word sorceries here. The word sorceries is translated straight from the Greek word pharmakeia, pharmakeia. And in the Strong's, pharmakeia means administer drugs. So it makes sense, right? Drugs, pharmacy, properly drug-related sorcery, like the practice of magical arts, etc. So there's a link between the two. So they basically, uh, those those who operate in the news media, they lull people to sleep with their trust the science stuff, right? Trust the science. They always keep repeating that. That becomes a, an incantation to those listening. It's witchcraft. <laughs> when you're told that day in, day out, many times a day, it hypnotizes you. The people are hypnotized. So they're performing, performing a blend of science and witchcraft on the peoples of the world. 
So they are blending the following areas into one. They're blending scientism or science or scientific obsession, obsession. So basically the forbidden knowledge given by the fallen angels. And I'm going to talk more about that in the next episode, but I believe that's my personal conviction. I believe that back in the forties, fifties, the U S government and some of the governments of the world, they made a pact with what we call aliens today, which were simply fallen angels in a certain guise flying certain vehicles. And they made that deal for more technology provided they would uh, give them permission to interfere in human affairs. Let's just put it that way. I'm going to tell more in the next episode. Uh, so they're blending scientism, a lot of areas of knowledge that are forbidden for man to know. Fallen angels have done that in the days of Enoch. They're doing it again today. Dark arts, so witchcraft, occult magic, and all that stuff. Spells, enchantments, through the media, through repetition and indoctrination. This is witchcraft. It's basically witchcraft. And the fourth thing is politics. So putting uh, pawns, putting uh, leaders in place that uh, are trying basically to act or to, to show that they're the leaders of society, but we know they're not. We know that they're just puppets, uh, obeying puppet masters. So there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, we read it earlier from Enoch. That's what the fallen angels taught humans, which was forbidden knowledge. And it, there was grave repercussions for those beings who taught that. Uh, the, the Enoch was... Uh, called upon, if you read the book of Enoch, he was called upon to become a scribe that would pronounce judgment against these uh, fallen angels, these watchers. Uh, and so they basically gave mankind hidden knowledge, hidden knowledge. And that's what the word occult means or esoteric. In other circles, we hear occult. In other circles, we hear esoteric. They both mean the same thing. It means hidden. It means hidden. So, and the one who hid it, now here's the kicker, the one who hid it had a purpose for hiding it. In other words, God hid certain things. It is the glory of God to hide or conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Now, how much of what is hidden can we find and how much is it permissible to find? That's there, there's. I believe that God has a... When he's, he hid stuff, there was stuff that he hid that he wanted us to discover. But there's other stuff that he hid that he didn't want us to discover. The same way uh, the same way we as parents don't want our five-year-old to discover matches or a lighter, right? Well, the same, same thing. So there's stuff that he wanted to, uh, to hide for our benefit, for our protection. And there's other stuff that he wanted to hide to see how far we would go to find it. So there, there's a, a dual thing going on there. But here's what Satan did. And here's what these fallen angels did. They came along and they they took the, the, the box of matches and they just give it, gave it to us. And they say, hey, look at this. Now you go along, play and have fun. And that's what we did. And that's what we did back in the days before the flood. That's what brought about all this corruption. 
And that's what we're doing right now because we're, we did the same mistake. If history teaches us one thing is that man learns nothing from history, right? So now it brings us to a big question. Is the Vax Pass the mark of the beast? A lot of my listeners are, are wondering about that. To be honest, I've been wondering about that a lot. I've been looking into it a lot. And short answer, I'm not sure. I don't know fully. I don't fully understand what it is. The only thing I know is I want to stay the heck away from it <laughs> by the grace of God because I see a huge red flag, huge. Uh, but let's talk about uh, the, the pass. It's been implemented. So I live in Canada. I've seen it implemented in, in a few provinces right now. In my native province of Quebec, it's been implemented. And I've even heard, because I listen sometimes to the radio from uh, Quebec or watch TV from Quebec, and I've seen the ads. I've seen the ads on TV for it. I've seen the, uh, the I've heard the ads on the radio. Basically, it's uh, no J-A-B, no, G -J, no job. No VAX, no pass. See, obviously there's uh, some great parallels there with Revelation 13 and what we're seeing implemented by the governments of this world. It's scary. It's actually scary. So Revelation 13 tells us that the mark will be on or in, depending on the the exegesis and if you go deep into the word and some say it's on some say it's in but let's say on the right hand or forehead okay uh so a lot of people are not alarmed i've seen a lot of christians and like oh, i'm just like yeah just 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 do it give it to me give it to me it's i know it's not that there's a lot of christians who went that route but there's a lot of christians who went like yeah but what if yeah but what if and i'm one of those i'm yeah yeah but what if and here's the, I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. Right now, the pass is on your phone. You have this little square thing that you show, they scan it, then you get in. You're welcome to the restaurant. Can I have a seat there, sir? Thank you for showing us your P-A-S-S, P-A-S-S. <laughs> so most people are right-handed, right? Most people, I don't know the percentage, but I don't know, maybe 75%. 60% of people, so 65, right-handed, right? So they would possibly show the phone, the square, the scannable thing in the right hand. But what happens if they forgot their phone at home? Oh, I forgot my phone. Oh, but I traveled 45 minutes to be here. No problem, sir. Do you have your pass ID? Well, yeah, I remember it by heart. I remember it. I remember it by heart. Forehead, the mind. I got the number, the number. So, phone in the right hand. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying it's that. I'm just saying possibly could it be that it's getting to that. Phone in the right hand. Oh, I forgot my phone. Do you remember? Yes, I remember. What do you remember? The number. Yes, I have the number. They type in the number. They ask for identification. So driver's license, whatever, to confirm. Yeah, okay, that's you. Yeah, sure, no problem. You have a seat. And interestingly, the Bible 
tells us about the variance variance of the mark of the beast in Revelation 13, 17. It says, the mark of the beast or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And it goes on to explain it, the, the 666, uh, tie, how it ties into all that. I thought that was interesting because I never quite read it that way. I always thought it was just a, it's a mark. It's a mark. It's like a, initially, I, I remember back in the 90s, I thought it was going to be maybe a tattoo on the skin, like an invisible tattoo or a micro, a small, small microchip. And I know the microchip is still a possibility. I mean, we're looking at, at the tech and yeah, it could be. Don't forget that, right? You, you, you know, don't leave home without it, like they say, right? But I thought that was interesting. Or the name or the number of his name. All this to say, like, like I said, it's just, don't quote me on that. I'm just throwing that out there as a theory, stuff to make us think, because I think about that a lot, obviously, as you, as you, got, as you gathered. All this to say that the great deception is going to be great. It's not going to be a small deception. It's going to be a tiny deception. It's going to be a great deception. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and in Matthew 24, we are warned that there will be tremendous deception. And the deception will be so great that even if possible, it's not possible, but if possible, even the elect could be deceived. So the problem we have right now as a body of Christ or, or, or Christianity or the Christians is that uh, we have many Christians relying not on the Holy Spirit, but on, on their favorite pastor or teacher or author or on their own understanding. You know, the Bible tells you not to rely on your own understanding, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him, him, him. But we rely on our own understanding or on what I call pet doctrines. I know these believers, they have pet doctrines that have been carrying with them since the 1980s. They're still holding on to late great planet Earth stuff. They still think it's going to be a 10-nation confederacy in Europe. I mean, seriously. Don't you see that ship has sailed? It's sailed, man. It's gone. Actually, I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, 10 kings, 10 kings. What could 10 kings? And I was thinking maybe it's, maybe it's big tech. Big tech. And then I, I did a Google search. And I'm just throwing that out there. Don't quote me on that. It's just trying to fig, get some answers. What are the 10 biggest big tech companies? Try to figure out if there might be that. But I didn't find anything like rock hard like that I can, yeah, maybe expound something from. But the 10 nation confederacy of Europe, if you're still holding on to that, I mean, there's, I, I think that ship has sailed. I think that ship has sailed. I think there's a lot of stuff. Here's the thing. I think that the narrative that we've been holding on to as, a, as the church, as especially the Western church in, in America and Canada, when we hold on to pet doctrines and certain narratives of how the order of here's how it's going to be. Here's the timeline of revelation. And here's where the rapture happens. Like the, the, the left behind people. I used to be one of those. I don't want to be too harsh. <laughs> I used to love these books. But the, the point is, I mean, this is 
it's not going to be like that. It is not going to be like that. If it were like that, we'd all see it coming. Oh, I read it and left behind. Boom. Done. Like, file closed. There it is. It won't be like that. It's going to be very good. And what I mean by very good, the very bad things that they're that, that are going to happen, that, that those who are working on deceiving us, they're going to be very good at what they do, which is bad stuff. And, and deceiving us, deceiving the people, I mean. And the elect, even the elect might be. They won't be, but they, they could be. That's how good it's going to be. So we got to get away from these preconceived scenarios that we've been feeding ourselves. So in Luke chapter 21, verse 36, Jesus talks about the tribulation and he gives a serious warning to his own disciples, but not just to his own disciples, but to all the future believers who would, who would come later. We read there, watch therefore, watch therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. We need to be watchful like never before, because if we are not watchful, we're going to be caught unaware. If we are just, I mean, I'm, there's, there's believers, there's Christians that are, are just going along with the narrative on the news. And, it, and I'm like, how can they not even question it? That makes no sense. They're churchians. I mean, they're, obviously they're churchians. They're not really believers. If they were believers, they wouldn't believe that. <laughs> so if we do not watch, we could become un uh, caught unaware. In Matthew 24, 38 to 39, I'm going to repeat it here because this is what it's about. As in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. We're not going to, like the population at large, they're not going to know. They're not going to know. They're going to go along. They're going to go along like sheep to the slaughter, like pigs to the slaughter, like, like cattle. They're going to be driven like cattle. Now I'm going to read, uh, as I reach the end of this broadcast, I'm going to read from Jasher, chapter 6, the book of Jasher, which is not in our Bibles, and I've explained that last week. It's still good information. Is it rock hard? Is it something that you can anchor your faith on as you would Scripture? No. But is it something that supports scripture? I'll tell you that. It doesn't go against it in most cases. In some cases, it does. In some cases, you might find discrepancies. And you let, that's why it's called, the, that's why it's called discernment. That's why it's called always bring the Holy Spirit in your readings and your research and everything. Right? Rely on him. But I want to read that to you because Jasher chapter 6, verses 13 to 26, uh, relates to us how bad it was at the last minute before Noah closed the door, God closed the door of the ark because it's God who closed the door. And you're going to see why. <laughs> so I'm going to read to you that because it, before it began to rain, okay, from Jasher, 
Jasher chapter 6, verses 13 to 26. And at the end of seven days, in the 600 year of the life of Noah, the waters of the flood were upon the earth, and all the fountains of the deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And Noah and his household and all the living creatures that were with him came into the ark on account of the waters of the flood, and the Lord shut him in. So God closed the ark. And you're going to see why. And all the sons of men that were left upon the earth became exhausted through evil on account of the rain, for the waters were coming more violently upon the earth, and the animals and beasts were still surrounding the ark. So there's beasts that were brought in the ark, but there's animals and beasts and people who found their way to the ark. And the sons of men, verse 17, that's amazing, amazing. And the sons of men assembled together, about 700,000 men and women. I'm, I'm not even mentioning kids here. Listen to this. About 700,000 men and women, and they came unto Noah to the ark. And they called to Noah, saying, Open for us that we may come in thee in the ark, come to thee in the ark. And wherefore shall we die? And Noah, with a loud voice, answered them from the ark, saying, Have you not all rebelled against the Lord and said that he does not exist? And therefore the Lord brought upon you this evil to destroy and cut you off from the face of the earth. Is not this the thing that I spoke to you of 120 years back? And you would not hearken to the voice of the Lord. And now do you desire to live upon earth? In other words, he's saying, now all of a sudden you you you, you decided that, oh, oh, now I I believe you. And they said to Noah, We are ready to return to the Lord, only open for us that we may live and not die. And Noah answered them, saying, Behold now that you see the trouble of your souls, you wish to return to the Lord? Why did you not return during these 120 years which the Lord granted you as the determined period? But now you come and tell me this on account of the troubles of your soul? Now also the Lord will not listen to you, neither will he give ear to you on this day, so that you will not now succeed in your wishes." And the sons of men approached in order to break into the ark, to come in on account of the rain, for they could not bear the rain upon them. So it's getting high, real high. And the Lord sent all, listen to this, this is, this is insane. And the Lord, not insane, but really impressive. And the Lord sent all the beasts and animals that stood around the ark, and the beasts overpowered them and drove them from that place. And every man went his way. And they again scattered themselves upon the face of the earth. 
And the rain was still descending upon the earth, and it descended 40 days and 40 nights, and the waters prevailed greatly upon the earth, and all flesh that was upon the earth or in the waters died, whether men, animals, beasts, creeping things, or birds of the air. And there only remained Noah and those that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed, and they greatly increased upon the earth, and they lifted up the ark, and it was raised from the earth. And the ark floated upon the face of the waters, and it was tossed upon the waters, so that all the living creatures within were turned about like pottage in a cauldron. <laughs> I like the image. And great anxiety seized all the living creatures that were in the ark, and the ark was like to be broken. So there was a lot of turbulence. This was bad. They were shaken. And all the living creatures that were in the ark were terrified, and the lions roared, and the oxen loud, and the wolves howled, and every living creature in the ark spoke and lamented in its own language, so that their voices reached to a great distance, and Noah and his sons cried and wept in their troubles. They were greatly afraid that they had reached the gates of death. That's how scary it was on that ship. And Noah prayed unto the Lord and cried unto him on account of this. And he said, O Lord, help us, for we have no strength to bear this evil that has encompassed us. For the waves of the waters have surrounded us. Mischievous torrents have terrified us. The snares of death have come before us. Answer us, O Lord. Answer us, light up thy countenance toward us and be gracious to us. Redeem us and deliver us. They were afraid for their lives. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Noah, and the Lord remembered him. And a wind passed over the earth, and the waters were still, and the ark rested. And the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters decreased in those days, and the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. And Noah then opened the windows of the ark. And Noah still called out to the Lord at that time. And he said, O Lord, who didst form the earth and the heavens and all that are therein, bring forth our souls from this confinement and from the prison wherein thou hast placed us. For I am much wearied with sighing. And he came out of the ark. This is the account in the book of Jasher. It gives us, I guess, more detail, a different feel for what was happening, although it keeps in the narrative of what we're told in Scripture. There's an ark today as well. We are as in the days of Noah, but God, but God is still gracious. God has extended his grace for 2,000 years in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ark today. So as Christians, we keep preaching to people, know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. And it's true. And we, we do good when we do that. And I, and, I, and I think it's something that we should all do as believers. And yet the Bible tells us something more. In Jeremiah chapter 31, Verses 33 and 34, we read this. But this is the covenant. So in Jeremiah, we, we are told about the new covenant. 
in Jesus Christ that was yet to come. So he was prophesying about the new covenant that would come. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. So we are told that the name of Jesus, the person of Christ, would be known everywhere. And there's a few remote places that still haven't heard the name of Jesus, but it's the exception, not the rule. Everybody on earth, and I'm generalizing, but most everybody on earth has heard the name of Jesus. Now, they don't necessarily know or they don't necessarily accept him, but they've heard of him. So the question is, we keep preaching that people should know the Lord. And yet so many have heard of him. There's so few people today who haven't heard the name of Jesus. And in the days we are in right now, we are as in the days of Noah. More than ever, we need to know Jesus. It's true. We need to know Jesus. But we need more. We need more than to know Jesus. We need Jesus to know us. We need Jesus to know us. The Bible says, and, and we read it in Jasher, and we know it's in the Bible too, in Genesis 8.1, that God remembered Noah. God thought of Noah. God knew Noah. He remembered him. The Bible also says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, not everyone is Jesus talking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, what day? The day where he comes back as king. The day where he comes back as judge. The day of his return. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is so sobering. So we say to people, you need to know Jesus. And it's true. But more importantly, in these days that are just as in the days of Noah, we need Jesus to know us. So the real question is, does Jesus know you? You say you know Jesus, and that's good. And I hope you know him. With all my heart, I do. But does he know you? So we're like in the days of Noah right now. And what you want is for Jesus to know you. It's for God to remember you just the way he remembered Noah. 
Now I've reached the end of this broadcast. It was a long broadcast, but I think it was very purposeful, very purposeful. And I'm going to end this broadcast with a sobering song about the days of uh, Noah. And the song is by Misty Edwards, the days of Noah. So I hope this has blessed you. If it has, share it. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube and click the notification bell to get these notifications when I do a new video every week. I'm going to end with this uh, very sobering song that is very, very fitting with this teaching. Misty Edwards, The Days of Noah. As always, be blessed and thrive on. Time, time is ticking by And I can feel an explosion inside And time, time is ticking by And I can feel an explosion inside As in the days of Noah As in the days of Noah We'll be drinking, marrying, laughing As in the days of Noah What a fool, they say To build a boat on sand What a fool, they say Oh.
And when the rain stops. 